Welcome to Lonely Town, a killer's podcast with Derek and Jimmy. That's us. <laughs> Today we're going to be talking about the rest of Hot Fuss. We've done a couple songs, a couple episodes about specific songs. And we have a few other thoughts on some other songs on Hot Fuss that we feel are Nephi related. And they're just probably not enough to cover in a specific episode for each song. So once we found out about the killers and we started looking for... You know, there's a song about Andy, and that's one's, that one's obvious. And so we initially started, I mean, for me, it was automatic to start thinking of these other names that get dropped in the album and who they might be about. Because Andy's Brandon's age, and then there's this other song called Believe Me, Natalie, and I was like, well, there's a, there's a Natalie his age. And then Jenny was a friend of mine, there's, you know, had Brandon stayed, his graduating class would have been about 130, 140 people. And so there's not a lot of people with the same names. <laughs> Although Jenny and Natalie are, and even Andy, pretty yeah, common, common names. names. Yeah. But there's only one of each in his class. And so for me, it's automatically to think, oh, was this inspired by this person? And in the case of Natalie and Jenny, it's not. But it's fun- <laughs> it was funny to think, to, to put that, those two things together. And I guess the same thing that has happened... 20 years later, when Pressure Machine came out, there's a song called Cody. <laughs> Anytime there's a song with somebody's name in it, it's automatic for us to think, you know, there's a person named Cody in his class. Um, there's several, his age, several Cody's, yeah. Yeah, there's a couple. Yeah, it makes me wonder. Um, obviously, Brandon goes to Vegas. We don't know who's in his class in Vegas, who he's around, if there's Jenny's or Natalie's down there. Uh, but when you're putting together an album, he's writing stories, sometimes you just pop in a name of somebody that you remember it might just be i kind of like the name uh so uh where the stories i don't think are necessarily about these individuals um obviously one didn't get murdered so we know that one isn't true uh but it, could it be that those are just names and people he remembered and put in there possibly there's no way of knowing i you know i don't think he's ever uh, talked about it i don't think these individuals have ever thought the songs were about them that i've ever heard <laughs> uh but there there is potential of okay it could be uh just the names based for these women characters in the songs. I don't know. I don't know that it is. I'm not saying that it is or isn't, but it's fun to think about, like Jimmy said. And I don't I don't know if they were friends, if Jenny was a friend of his or not. So it's uh it's interesting only in the fact that when you're from a small town and like Jimmy said, there's you know, less than a couple hundred kids in a graduating class and you hear names, uh, to put together that puzzle, you're trying to already grasp your head around, uh, this kid has became famous, put out an album it's touring the world, but now you're like, oh, this could be, you know, Andy's obviously somebody that we knew and knew who that song was about. So you're trying to connect pieces and dots, and sometimes uh, you got pieces to a puzzle that's not really a puzzle, and you're just trying to make it fit. And other times, uh, you come to find out that you have the whole picture in front of you, and you were right. So it's uh, it's fun to speculate, but it's yeah, it's just that speculation. Yeah, and I think with Natalie, it's about a go-go dancer. Uh, I t- there's no other lyrics in there that I think are about Nephi or about somebody from Nephi. Uh, Jenny, I want to talk a little bit more about because I love that song. It's one of my favorites. And one of the parts that I like, or that brings me back, makes me think of Nephi, is where he says, we had a fight on the promenade out in the rain. So one of the... F- this is something that is, I think is particular about Nephi. I guess we'll find out. Let us know if... This was the case for anybody else listening in, throughout the world. But in Nephi, 
we have, um, you know, high school dances are, are normal in America. You have a prom. I guess usually there's a junior prom and a senior prom. And in Nephi, the senior prom is called senior ball, you know, which is whatever. But um, one of the things that I found out when, I don't know how I even found it out. I guess it was kind of, already we already kind of knew it was a little bit weird. But <laughs> at both of those proms, both of those dances in Nephi, the school does something called a floor show where <laughs> all the all the kids in the junior class for the junior prom, senior class for the senior ball, they all learn, you know, they, they assign you to a partner and they have a dance where they teach you the moves to, or they teach you some choreographed yeah, dance. It's like a choreographed ballroom yeah. style dance and uh, they introduce you too. So oh, yeah. uh, like the whole town shows up for, for your prom or for your senior ball. Well, not the whole town, but a lot of people from town, family members and stuff will come. Uh, it's usually held at like the basketball court or the, that's what I was gym, trying to yeah. think of there. The auditorium, that's what I was trying to think of there. <clears throat> so it's in a, like a gym set up. So there's bleachers and stuff, and uh, people will be there, and uh, you'll get introduced, and you'll walk down this uh, platform uh, and go take your line up on the... Uh, <laughs> take yeah, you take a little walk. And do your walk on the promenade. <laughs> you walk out the promenade, you go down, and you do, uh, you do this choreographed dance. And I didn't know how not common that is or whatever till there comes a certain point where you piece it together but growing up that's just what happens and it's just normal and I thought well maybe it's a small town thing or whatever but uh, the older I've got and the more I've talked to people from other places and other schools eventually you know something will come up about like formal dances or, or high school dances or whatever and every time I bring up did uh, did you guys do like a floor show <laughs> where the whole town would come and watch you dance around and uh and uh, the answer is usually, well, it's never been yes. I think Nephi's the only place I've heard that does this. So, yeah, the same thing when I hear uh, on that song. I know it's, you know, not specifically talking about this ritual in Nephi, but in my head I always go back to this couple that's probably at the, the junior prom in my head, <laughs> at the senior at the senior ball or the junior prom there at UAP school, and they get in a fight and walk outside and it's raining. That's, that's how I picture it because... Uh, the word promenade, that's what my mind goes to, whereas I know that's not necessarily what that word just specifically means. But Yeah, and I think, as I thought about it, Brandon probably moved before his junior prom. Uh, that's the year he moved to Vegas, but he might not have even gone to one. But, I don't. yeah, like I said, I don't know how I found out when I went to college and my first roommate was from California, and I remember his response to like, it was like, you did what now? <laughs> yeah, it's kind, of, it's kind of like the bathing beauty parade. There's a few things. Yeah. If you're from, if you grew up in Nephi or went to have high school, um, that you kind of know might not happen everywhere else, but you think it might happen some other places. And then, yeah, you meet somebody from outside the state or, or whatever, and you start kind of talking about experiences through school or, or different things. And there's a few times where you get a blank stare and, and you guys did what? And that, like, no, serious, you guys did what? Like, that, that <laughs> happened, and, and that's usually why. <laughs> they're wearing what in the park, walking around? Yeah. Oh, yeah, they're driving down Main Street doing what now? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and I think it's one of those things that has been going on for so long uh, that it's just, you know, it's a tradition that, that has continued. And if they were, if it wasn't something they've done and they tried to start it now, most of the boys, at least, I guess I can speak for the boys because I was a boy then and I didn't like doing it, but it just was kind of expected of me, you know? 
and it pro probably not something they would get many volunteers to do if they tried to do it start it up now yeah and i think it, it goes back to i think they have to buy tickets to come so yeah. i think it's somewhat of a it's fundraising paid. activity to where it can afford and, and pay for the cost of putting on on the the dances also we had a controversy i don't know if we want to go here but since it's musically related do you remember the senior ball controversy with the songs yeah i was going to ask you if you've ever been involved in a in a in a fraudulent election <laughs> with the same thing in mind this might be where my conspiratorial mind uh, <laughs> was, was really born so for our senior ball uh we had a couple of choices of songs and they let everybody vote on them and they you know cast the ballots or however it worked and the two uh i don't know I guess we have to nominate songs. Maybe there was like preliminaries and they, they whittled it down. But it came down to uh, a Metallica song and it came down to uh, The Special Times. I don't remember who sings that. Celine Dion. Celine Dion, The Special Times. And it was, uh, I'm not really remember which Metallica song it was. I thought, oh, it, I thought it was some... It was Nothing Else Matters, but it was the, the slow version of Nothing Else Matters. I thought it was like a, some slower... Mudvayne or something that Clint tried to nominate. Oh, I don't know. Metallica? Well, I remember it was Metallica, Nothing Else Matters, but it was like a It was a rock version. song, yeah. Yeah. Sure. And so, now, did they tabulate the votes in front of us? I don't know. Somehow, we, we found out that the Metallica song had won, and I think we were all kind of happy about that. Now, whether or not that was factual or not, I don't know at this point. And it came out that they, they uh, didn't think they could choreograph the dance to, to that or, or something. Or wouldn't. Or wouldn't. <laughs> and so the uh, the vote was reversed, and we were the Celine Dion, quiet times, special times, whatever. And and uh, in the scheme of things, it, it doesn't really matter. It was rigged, Derek. It matters. It was, it was Nothing rigged. else matters but that. But it was rigged. And uh, I think it was the same. Now, I don't know dancing, obviously. I'm not a choreographer. I don't really know how to dance well, ballroom, anything like that. To me, it was kind of the same dance for uh, both years. Uh, basically, you'd have your block steps, you'd, you'd turn around, you'd shuffle a little bit. Spin them around. Because you got, like, yeah, a couple hundred kids, uh, mainly from a rural farming community. you got to teach me and Derek how to dance. Yeah, You're like not doing very complicated steps. We've never danced. You know, even at the, the high school dances, you don't really dance. So they had to keep it pretty simple and, and basic for, for those of us to shuffle around. Uh, so, in my head, it was the same dance regardless of what the music was, and, and it, it wouldn't really matter, but it, it wasn't my job. And I'm not here to stir the pot, Jimmy. <laughs> yeah, I, I want to apologize to Lisa for if we gave you too hard of a time back then. That's a lot of work. I don't think you got paid to teach us how to do a dance. Well, yeah, I have a strong recollection of, of Clint, who we've had on, Clint Markland, being this one of the, I guess, the main campaign... <laughs> <laughs> campaign managers for the alternative songs that didn't get chosen. So shout out to you, Clint, for for doing your best. But we all we didn't, they, we didn't make it. We they didn't they it. all know what they did. They <laughs> all know what they did. We know what happened, and we won't forget. But yeah, so you do learned, you know for sure that they still do it? Do they still do four shows? I'm pretty sure they do. As of uh, a couple of years ago, I know for sure they did because I've had cousins and stuff participate, and that was social media and stuff. You get to see the pictures uh, pop up on on you know Instagram or Facebook or whatever, and uh, when I say the whole town, it's not the whole town, but it's a lot of family, and it's a lot of extended family, or people that are just like we talked with uh, Scott uh, a few months ago, and how he said he wanted to be at everything. Like, there's those people that feel part of the community that will come out uh, for for things like this, and it's a pretty packed house. They don't stay for the whole dance, uh, so we'll get in the bleachers, 
uh, they'll announce everything. You will start, you know, and you'll come down the steps, uh, hand and elbow, whatever that's called. There's some name for it. It's not hand in hand, but you're you're introduced. You go get on the floor. You do this floor show. Uh, afterwards, I think they do like a parent dance where you know you dance with oh, your mom or, yeah. or or the girls dance with their dad or something like that. And then pretty much the the rest of the people leave, and then you have your high school prom dance or whatever like that. So. Um, another thing I like about the song is uh, when Brandon sings it live, uh, sometimes he'll change the lyrics to, uh, to uh, now I have to look at the lyrics to make sure I get it right, but um, I like when you go to a concert, sometimes you just go and the band pretty much should just play the album and walk off the stage because it's going to be the exact same tempo, the exact same songs, the exact same lyrics, and you might get a, uh, how we doing tonight, Fresno, or wherever we're at, uh, we're happy to be here, like, but... I like with the killers, Brandon will mix up the lyrics sometimes. Uh, sometimes he'll get a little rowdy and yell a little bit. Sometimes he'll dance a little bit for us and stuff. Um, but uh, he'll he'll switch up on occasion. She couldn't scream while I held her close to. Uh, she couldn't scream while I held her throat. So uh, in the live version, sometimes it's like he's confessing to the the murder more than uh, you know. This one's like he's denying it, going to the cops. They're trying to interrogate him. He's he's innocent. But in the live version, sometimes he's like the, the killer doing a confessional on the stage. For whatever reason, I kind of like that. Yeah, well, I remember when I first got the CD, popping it in. This is the first it's the first song on the album. And it starts with a helicopter that goes from one side of your speakers to the other. Oh, yeah, yeah. That's, that's that was a cool effect. Was, oh, this is awesome. Especially if you have the headphones on. Yeah. Yeah, I, uh, I don't know. Um... As a, as a total album, it was a very good first album, uh, Hot Fuss, I think. There's, uh, I don't know who came up with the thing, but there's this game about a perfect album and how there's not many perfect albums out there. And for order, in order for the album to be perfect, you have to grade. Um, I don't remember if there's a minimum of tracks. It has to have like 10 to 12 tracks or, or more. And you have to grade from what, from the first one to the last one like a physical grade, like A, A plus, you know, B or C songs. Uh, with Hot Fuss, I'd have to go back and look at everything. I don't know that I would consider it a perfect album, but I think if you were to go down, uh, especially for a debut album, it's it's pretty high to, to almost a perfect album as far as each song you could listen to individually, and there's not really a lot of filler in there. A lot of, a lot of times, especially back in, you know, growing up, you'd have a one-hit wonder type uh, group come out that would have that really hot single, and you'd get the album, and it'd all just be trash except for that one song. And then they tour and make a, a living off of that song for a little bit, and then eventually, I don't know, fold up and, and come back 20 years later for the revival of it or whatever. Uh, what I like about With the Killers is you had Mr. Brightside and some of the more popular songs. I mean, Mr. Brightside's still on the charts over in the U.K., uh, for, for decades. <laughs> but you have some of these more popular songs, and they could have just said, well, that's a good one. And we'll just put in some, some filler songs, then we'll use these next songs for our other albums. But it feels like, to me, is they put together like a complete album that you could listen to, like Jimmy says, from from the get-go, and you get into it like, oh, that's a cool sound effect. Oh, this is a cool song. And it kind of it, it brings it, and that could be a standalone. Uh, you know, Jenny could have been a, a standalone single and could have supported the whole album. But then you keep going through song by song, and they kind of build upon each other. I mean, they tell somewhat of a story. It's not necessarily a concept album. And then you, you get to, uh, you know, Mr. Brightside and then uh, all these things I've done, all that. And it's just, to me, it's a, it's a really good album, uh, especially for your first album coming out. 
I'd have to go through and see where I'd grade it, but I think it'd have to be, you know, it'd have to be pretty pretty close to a perfect album. I mean, I know some people don't like Andy, your star. Um, I don't. I, I don't have a, the right in front of me. I'm sure there's a couple I'm missing in there, but uh, as far yeah, as I'm concerned, uh, it's yeah. a good one. Yeah, I think it says a lot that the Killers have been putting out music for t- almost 20 years, and they're as popular as ever. But there's still quite a few fans who are stuck on this album. It's not stuck in the sense that I don't know. Stuck's not the right word, but they're. This is still their favorite. They think all the others. Or failures, they wish they would go back to the sound. You know, that's fine to have that opinion, but I think it says a lot about the album that um, it, it holds up over time for some people as, you know, something that they'll never talk, wish they would go back to. So, um, you know, there's songs like On Top and Change Your Mind. As I was preparing to talk about it, they're like, for me, or, you know, I just skipped through, but I'll, I'll always have the memory of, you know, putting in the CD in my walk with Discman or whatever I had with <laughs> my cheap Discman that was plugged in to power, to power with the cigarette lighter adapter. adapter plugged into the tape deck on my 93 Intrepid <laughs> cranking it up when the for Jenny was a friend of mine when the helicopter goes past um, just it's just fun memory to take you back 20 years when when it came out yeah I mean I remember uh and some of it is that that Nephi connection, but uh, I wasn't like really really into. I like the songs, and I never would have thought I'd be doing a podcast about the Killers twenty years later or whatever. Uh, I had the album, but I remember like seeing on on TRL was really big at the time on MTV and stuff like that. That was back before you know we had TikTok and stuff to learn what cool music was. We had to watch a, a show and they tell us what cool music was. Well, I remember like celebrities would come on and they'd say, you know, what albums are you listening to or whatever, and uh, more than once, uh, Hot Fuss would be like, oh, this is the coolest album. And I'm like, it's just still, to me, kind of mind-blowing that these people are referencing an album that was made by uh, a kid that was close to our age at the same small town we grew up in. Um, I went back and forth through Vegas uh, last month like three or four times. And I've, I've said this before on the show, but it's always just mind-blowing to me when you see the amount of entertainment being offered in that town uh, for for somebody to make it like not moving like they grew up like it's a hometown band of the killers and to to get popular there and to blow up to where they're at now and overcome all the people moving in there for that sole purpose of we're going to make it big and we're going to be these big stars and we're going to have a show on the Vegas strip uh, it's a lot of competition so um anytime i think about that or go there just the amount of people that are there and move there for the sole purpose of becoming entertainers and stuff and having big, huge careers for uh, Brandon and, and the guys to find each other there, put together a band, uh, play, you know, over by UNLV at this little coffee shop and these little places around town to, to get to where they're at now. It's just the odds of that are, are staggering. And for them to still be putting out music and, and not complacent and uh, still well-known within Vegas, they haven't really upset anybody. I mean, I mean they've upset people, but it's not like... <laughs> You know, they're not welcomed here. Or they think they're too big for us. It's like they come back and it's their hometown band. You go to the airport. You land at, at the airport. You're going to hear two or three killer songs before you get to an Uber spot. Or, or if you drive over to the rental car station, you're going to hear a couple Brandon or killer songs. Like, they're very proud and very, very happy to have them there. So I just going back on this reflection. And, and every time I go through there now, I just look at it. And it's, it, it's mind-boggling how, how successful they've became 
um, out of that culture. It'd be one thing if you're like these Nickelodeon bands where they got talent and they put people together that have talent, and of course they're going to become popular because um, you're marketed and, and that's what you're brought up to do. It's almost what you're you're born and bred to do. Or if you know you're a, a band over. I don't know, playing session music over in L.A. for other bands or you're playing up and down a bunch of bands growing up and, and that's your goal. And you're kind of in that, that scene. But to come out of, you know, basically small town Nephi and, and Vegas, little around town, and just for it to work, I don't know, it's kind of magical for me. So it, I I probably, I don't know if I'm going too deep on that or whatever, but just every, the more I think about it and the more things I see and the more people trying to make it or you'll see these, these TV shows like America's Got Talent, and that's the whole goal. They'll go across the country and find anyone that wants to come on the show that might be talented just a hair, and their main goal is to become uh, a star on the Vegas stage, is what most of them say. And they'll whittle it down, and somebody will win, and they'll get their million dollars, and most of them kind of flame out. They'll have their show for a month or two, and you'll never hear from them again for whatever reason. So uh, to kind of be that alternative uh, side of they didn't go there with that dream. They weren't trying to make it big on the Vegas stage. They weren't just going to play, you know, uh, uh, residency at Vegas. But to come out of that and, and make it and still succeed is is pretty pretty spectacular. So when I go back and look at Hot Fuss and see where it all started, and then we link it to Nephi, my wife said, I think it was last time we were driving through Vegas or this last weekend or whatever. We were down in L.A. driving back or something, and we were listening to The Killers, and she said... Uh, something that kind of caught me off guard a little bit, but she said, you know why we like Brandon so much, or something like that. And I thought, well, because I kind of know him, or something, I don't know. <laughs> and she said, well, he's just like us, but if we had talent. <laughs> and so I think for a small town uh, person, a small town uh, guy, you know, it is kind of like, we can do it. There's there's a part of us that have has a chip on our shoulder, or you kind of have this uh, mindset of, well, that's big city things, or that's where... That's for people that have been born and trained or whatever, but it's kind of like, obviously I don't have Brandon's talent in that aspect at all, but it's kind of like, well, if I did and I applied it, I could probably make it because he did and he's one of us. I think it's that whole Kerry Jackson was talking to us about that, is he's just kind of one of us. He's a you know, small town, Utah County, Juab County boy, uh, brought up the same way we did, did the same kind of crap we did, got in trouble the same way we did, but obviously applied uh, his skills and had a lot more talent than than I had for sure in that aspect. So, I, that, there's a Derek rant for you. <laughs> that wasn't planning on going on. Yeah, when you look back at their career and what they've accomplished and how it started, so many things had to come together for them to not only get everyone's attention but to keep it. And to think of it that way, I think you know there's there's a lot of talent there. There's also got to be a lot of luck or karma or destiny's got to be calling them. It's <laughs> To some level for for them to do what they've done and here we are yeah it definitely lined up in their favor however it worked out and uh the other thing i think that we all enjoy and i think it's kind of a cultural thing or maybe it's just uh, a working thing but we talk a lot about blue collar and we've seen and heard many interviews and talked to people brandon could be set for life the band could be set for life they don't have to tour they don't have to do anything anymore but they still have that work ethic. They still go out. They still produce albums. They still go on world tours. They're still trying to come up with new music. Uh, again, we can go back to bands from 20 years ago that were very big and popular for a time that no one really hears of anymore. And I think a lot of that is people get fame. They get complacent. 
they go out and they're just going to live that rock star lifestyle and, you know, kind of think the world owes them now and famous. The feeling I get from the killers, you know, is that's not the case with any of them. Um, you know, I, I think some of them like a, a little longer break than Brandon. Uh, but, you know, they're into different things. Uh, they got different business ventures. They got different side projects. They got uh, those kind of things going. And Brandon likes to, he likes to work um, from everything we've seen. Uh, during the pandemic, you know, a lot of people took a couple of years off. He put out two albums and, and went on a world tour uh, the second they could after canceling uh, a world tour that they were planning to go on. So um, I think there's a lot lot there that, you know, you can kind of <clears throat> grasp. But Sterling talked a little bit about it when we talked with him. It's something that you can play for your kids and you don't have to, like, worry about what might come up. But I think it's also something that people can show their kids, especially around here, is uh, this guy grew up down the street from us. And with hard work and dedication and, and doing what, you know, he had talently or using his his talents that he was given, he was able to make it this far in the world and he still works for it. So I think it's a good role model slash example for for our community and our culture um, to look at. And there's not a whole lot of those that come out from around here. I mean, we have people that own stores or businesses and things like that, but on a national scale, there's not a whole lot of people that came from uh, rural Utah, just because there's not a whole lot of us that made it to that level. Not that, you know, we don't have the smarts or, or their business <laughs> attribute or, or talent, but it just doesn't happen a whole lot because, you know, it doesn't happen a lot anywhere, but especially where we're from, it just, you know, it was nice to see. And Hot Fuss was, was the first time we kind of got to see this on a big spotlight, and it, it was fun, and it's been fun ever since for, for a lot of us. What's your favorite song on Hot Fuss? Oh, that's a that's that's probably a controversial take too. Uh, I like I I've, I've said I like Andy You're a Star. Um, it's not my favorite song, uh, but I just like that because it gave us like the, the connection to Nephi or whatever. I think it's uh, all these things that I've done would be my favorite. Uh, remember the first time, kind of like you're saying, you're <clears throat> putting the headphones or, or going for a ride in the car or whatever. I remember having that CD. I mean, Mr. Brightside is obviously the, the the single, and that's obviously their biggest probably song ever. And it's a fun song, uh, but I didn't really relate with it as much. I mean, you know, it's about a guy that gets uh, heartbroken because his girlfriend cheats on him, and he's going to go out and whatever. I, don't, I, I didn't relate to that. Uh, I was probably kind of young at that time, hadn't been in a lot of relationships uh, wasn't that heartbroken and bitter about the world yet. <laughs> that was yet to come, I guess. Uh, but I could relate to all these things that I've done. Um, now we've came out to, to find out a little more about how it was constructed and how it was put together and, and things like that. But uh, first time I heard it, I definitely thought uh, religious uh, connotations and things that I could relate to. Um, and then going back to kind of Brandon's life and growing up, at that point, uh, a lot of his peers and a lot of us had kind of got to that point in life where and growing up in the Mormon uh, religion, when you turn, well, at that point it was 19, um, nowadays I think it's 18, uh, but there's a point where you can go on a, a mission for the church, and it was strongly encouraged for most men to do that. Um, I think they kind of laxed a little bit, but at the time it was kind of like, you know, <laughs> I don't know. You do that and tell the girls to only, uh, you know, date people that did missions or return missionaries and get married, and that could be a whole controversial take about whether or not that's a good idea or not. And that's not what this podcast is about. Most people feel a lot of pressure to go. But there's a lot of pressure, and it goes into pressure machine. Uh, but when when hearing that that song, uh, I got sold by a soldier, 
a lot of people, there was a movie at the time called God's Army that was about um, missionaries and, and, and things like that. And anyways, a lot of it in my mindset was like Brandon having this kind of battle with himself of whether or not, you know, he's a rock star now. He's, is he a good person? Is he a good church-going person? Because we still had the stuff coming out that he was drinking and smoking and not necessarily doing all those things that he'd been taught to do or things that were against the religion or, or those kind of things. But he was still a good person. He was still going to church. He still believed uh, the doctrine that was going on there that was being taught. And so in the song, um, although, you know, there's Matt Penfield and uh, the Wounded Warrior Project, and there's a whole other side story that came out about it. Didn't know any of that at the time. In my head, I'm hearing this battle about this guy that uh, could have went and been a soldier. He could have went on his mission. He could have went and done this. But he still got soul, but he's not a missionary. He, he's got soul, but he's not a soldier. And he's not out knocking on the door. And where I think that kind of turns is most of us did our two years, and we're done. And we can go back to living our normal lives, and we don't have to talk about religion to anybody ever again if we don't want to. We don't have to go to church ever again if we don't want to. No one's going to question us about our religion or anything like that. Uh, Braddon had the opposite effect. If he didn't do that two-year service mission and get called somewhere to do it, uh, however, by saying that he's, you know, he did the I'm a Mormon ads, he's not been shy about being a member of the church, has made it more of like lifelong. He's kind of on the spotlight. He's a popular uh, performer of the religion. Um, him and Donny Osmond, I joked one time that Donny Osmond left the faith, but he didn't come across as a joke, apparently. <laughs> so make it clear that, that Donny Osmond's also also Mormon. But anyway, uh, Brandon didn't go on a mission, uh, but now he has to talk about it all the time. People are always bringing it up to him. Everyone's looking at him saying, well, should he do that because he's Mormon? Can he do that? Or is he supposed to be doing that? So uh, to an extent, he's having to be a lifelong missionary and, and has that public image and all those questions of people asking him about it all the time where uh, some of us just had to do it for a couple of years or some of us didn't choose to do it at all, and that's fine too. In in this song, and it kind of gets that way in Samstown a little bit, you can tell uh, where he's trying to get a little more philosophical or, or think a little more about life. And, and it's kind of fun, and you get that, uh, you know, that choir going, and it's got that good anthem going and that good chorus going, and you can kind of rock out to it. But also, in the back of my head, I can hear these, these, you know, and maybe it's questions I had, too, about, about my life or where I was at or what I was going to do or what I had done or what other people were doing. But uh, with me, it really came back to uh, that, that growing up feeling, that pressure machine uh, feel that we've talked about on the Pressure Machine album of uh, you can really hear uh, him questioning in this song, you know, he, he's a good person still, even though he hasn't necessarily done all these things. So for me, that's my favorite song. That's a long way to talk about. That's my favorite song, Jimmy. What about what? What about you? Well, uh, while we're on the topic, I'll just bring up some of the lyrics from that song that you know have religious connotations for me. And you know, there's plenty of songs about religion, but um, or about God and stuff. But with you know, I guess our part of our shtick, <laughs> part of our take, <laughs> is that uh, we're of the same religion as Brandon and grew up with him. Um, you know, this is the the main religious song from. You can't see my air quotes on on a podcast, but uh, where he talks about, "Is there room for one more son? I need direction to perfection. You got to help me out." The cold-hearted boy I used to be. I like that one because it brings up boy, and um, it reminds me also of the Christmas songs we just talked about. How <laughs> I I I I've been I've been a clean living boy even though I've been killing just for fun. I've been a, a cold-hearted boy I used to be so. Um, 
But my favorite song, I think, uh, you know, I'm the same way I'm not. Mr. Brightside is a great song. It's just, it's not my favorite, even on the album. Um, I think Between Jenny was a friend of mine and somebody told me. I've told the story about hearing somebody tell me for the first time and being a little confused about that, but uh, as far as rocking out on my headphones, those, those are the two that, that I like the most. Yeah, I, I, forgot, I forgot all about Somebody Told Me, which was also a big, big hit and still kind of is. Yeah. And going back to uh, when you thought it was an Aquabat song, <laughs> our former guest, Carrie Jackson, uh, was talking the other day about how he once uh, helped, I don't know, there was some, some performance he did with the Aquabats that we didn't have a chance to ask him about. So I kind of regret missing that opportunity, but there's a lot of connections and there's a lot of Utah connections that come out from music, uh, probably just not, I mean, not, not a large circle, but there's a lot of good songs on there, so. Yeah, the one, one lyric that I wrote down to talk about from Somebody Told Me is a, a lyric that is, to me, not about Nephi, obviously about Las Vegas. It says, heaven ain't close in a place like this. <laughs> to me, that says Las Vegas. Yeah, Which I, is, it's okay. It's okay to have some lyrics be about me. Yeah, I'm sure there's a good amount. And <laughs> <laughs> one or two. Yeah, one or two. And to go back to the, the, the Good Hard Boy or whatever it used to be, I think there's some of that, too, of, like, kind of reflects back to growing up and, and being in this, uh, you know, uh, small community, uh, really protected from the outside world, bubble, whatever you want to call it, and, and talking about going back to uh, Pressure Machine, where we always like to go. Eyes weren't open yet. The train wreck hadn't happened. Evil hadn't came lurking its way in or whatever you want to say to, you know, now he's in Vegas. He's a rock star. He's, he's doing these things and just trying to kind of uh, contrast these two lifestyles and, and whether or not he can make it work together. And I think there was probably a lot of people, I'm sure, uh, family and friends, uh, probably himself, just wondering, you know, can I make it work together? Do I got to pick one side or the other? Uh, he's talking about having influences with a lot of those bands that, you know, the front men didn't make it, and he was kind of on that path and, and made a choice to, okay, I can still live my life, but I can still have my fundamental core beliefs or, or my values or my system, and I can make them work together. And there's still people now that question it. Like, you know, we'll, we'll read things or hear things or, or talk to people that, you know, he said this or did that, but how can you do that and go to church on Sundays or, or anything <laughs> like that? So it's still a little controversial. In his direction to perfection. And well, we all do. And I, I think that might be where... It kind of relates with me too. I can, I can do whatever I do or, or wherever I'm at, but I can always, you know, think, oh man, I could have done that better, or am I doing all right, or whatever. And it's just, uh, it's kind of nice. And then you do, you have that chorus blaring, and you can just kind of rock out to it. So that might be the first Mormon-based rock song that I can think of that was mainstream. Uh, we talk about Pressure Machine and all that, but uh, where I can go ahead and say there was probably some of, of my religion put into a, a popular mainstream song uh, that wasn't commercially built for that reason, but uh, for me to be able to relate, I don't know, it's kind of kind of special that way for, for me personally. Yeah, the first song that had clear Christian undertones, I guess you could say. One more thing I wanted to say about uh, all these things that I've done. I was a missionary uh, from 2001 to 2003, right before this, and when all this stuff was being written, same time period right before it came out. Did I say where? In Italy. There's an Italian singer that was popular at the time named Tiziano Ferro who has a song called I'm a Soldier, and soul, it's spelled S-O-U-L-D-I-E-R. And so when this song came out, when I came home from my mission, I had the, that album that's <laughs> mostly in Italian, a little bit of English, 
And then this song came out and said, I'm not sold, but I'm not a soldier. I was like, oh, he stole that from this Italian singer. <laughs> so anyway, just a funny thing that relates the soldier and the mission thing back together that I remember from back then. It's been fun to, to go through some of these songs and, and go through this album. We want to continue, uh, but for now, that's Hot Fuss, and that's another episode down from Lonely Town. <laughs>